Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the annual plan and also to download a training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. So if you're still accepting vendor supporting documentation via email, uh, that is not ideal because that's where fraud happens. However, just know you're not alone. So if this is you and you want to hear four tips that will help you and your team manage those emails more efficiently while mitigating risk, then keep listening. Welcome to episode 190, Still Accepting Vendor Supporting Documentation via Email, Four Tips to Organize Your Email Inbox. In the FBI's latest stats on internet crimes in 2021, there were 847,000 phishing emails reported and almost 20,000 business email compromise uh, incidents reported. Now, both of these types of email fraud are part of the whole social engineering um, fraud trend where, you know, the fraudsters tries to get either you and your or your team member to give up your login credentials, uh, download malware, or make changes to your vendor's remit information to divert that next payment. I said or, but it could be plenty of ors because there's lots of variations and fraudsters are always evolving. So getting back though to the email piece, collecting your vendor supporting documentation via email is really not ideal because one, you don't know where it it, uh, originated from, even if uh, it looks like uh, it came from, and maybe it even did come from your vendor's actual email, still could be a fraudster because they could have social engineered your vendor got their login credentials, and now they are sending you uh, a change of banking, for example, from your vendor's actual email. So you don't really know where it came from or who it came from. Uh, So that's one. And then two is some of the information may be sensitive. So you could be receiving the IRS W-9 of your vendor and Uh, As a U.S. vendor, if uh, they are in that first tax classification, that individual single member LLC or sole proprietor, 
They could be giving you their social security number and you don't need everyone to see that. Uh, you really need to practice that least privilege access, which means only the folks that actually need access to see uh, uh, what could be sensitive information. Those are the only people that need um, to actually uh, see that. And so uh, collecting that uh, sensitive supporting documentation um, from your vendor via email really kind of opens you up to all types of uh, both internal and external fraud. But that being said, you are, again, not alone. There is still a lower percentage of those that have, for example, vendor self-registration portals that gets the vendor onboarding and update process out of email versus receiving that uh, supporting documentation via email. So with that, let's talk about four tips that can make the email inbox process more efficient and also mitigate some fraud risk that is just inherent in email. Now, I'm not going to talk about the things that IT can do to make sure those uh, fraudulent emails don't even get to your email box. Although we know from episode, I think it's episode 151 or 153, where I talked to a CISO. Uh, His name was Casey Allen, and he talked about uh, security and email and the fact that uh, IT even doing a great job still only blocks about 85% of those fraudulent emails. But we're not going to talk about that. We are also not going to talk about authentication, which is a process to uh, identify or verify that you're actually communicating with your vendor or internal team member versus a fraudster. Now, if you want to hear about that process, it is episode uh, 115. And uh, it's just, it's a very quick episode, uh, actually, but you'll recognize it because it's exactly what your bank does when you call them to talk about your account. So listen to that episode if you're interested. But what we're going to talk about today is managing that email inbox and making sure that it's efficient and that it is mitigating some risk. All right. So number one is you do need a separate generic email address. So it should be a generic email address where all requests come to one email box not a distribution list where email goes to all team members that are assigned to the distribution list. Uh, And also uh, it should not be going to specific team members. So this really replaces that if you, you know, want a vendor request, you send it to, I don't know, sue at your company.com. That should not happen. It also should not be a distribution list. It needs to be a generic email address uh, that has a uh, separate uh, inbox. It also needs to be separated from AP invoices. Let me just say that not only does this cut down on the volume 
uh, of emails coming into that email box. But this way, no non-vendor team members sees that sensitive data, again, which could be a social security number, it could also be a bank account uh, number. So this is really following least privilege access. Now, one thing I do want to say is that it doesn't just have to be one uh, generic email address. You could have it by um, function or uh, based on whatever makes sense for your team or your company. So in the past, for example, I have uh, separated or had a separate uh, generic email address uh, for international vendors. So we had one for U.S. vendors, and then we had a separate one for international vendors, uh, which for us was a different accounting system or ERP and a different process. Now, I've seen other examples based on business unit or company. So if your company has multiple um, I don't know, departments, business units, and they have separate processes. It may make sense to separate them that way. Uh, it could also be based on accounting system or ERP. Uh, you don't want to go crazy, but it needs to make sense to the internal team members that will be using it. And also it makes the process of assigning team members easier. And that's actually tip number two is to assign all team members. So identify what each team member will do and assign them to that function. And like I said, in the first example, or the first tip is we had a separate uh, inbox uh, for uh international vendors because that was a separate process or a separate function and there were separate people or uh, team members assigned to it. So tip two, assign all team members. Let them know, identify what each team member will do and assign them to that function. So for example, if there is a separate process for new vendor setups versus existing vendor changes, versus general requests for information, then assign different team members to those functions. Um, this is a reason uh, it should not be, or another reason why it should not be a distribution list. Um, again, where an email comes to that generic email address, but uh, instead of coming to an individual uh, uh, inbox, it goes to everyone that's on the distribution list email uh, in their separate emails. So you can't assign anyone anything because, uh, that email is not in a separate, uh, inbox is in everyone's, uh, e uh, inbox. And so that can get chaotic. Uh, and you know, it's just no way to assign and track the request, which brings us to tip number three, use email rules, folders, and categorization. So once you've identified the different functions and assigned those to team members, you can create a folder by function or a folder by team member because team members are assigned to functions. And you can use email rules to route emails efficiently to those folders. Now you can also uh, use 
categories or colors to organize within the inbox. So the email rules allow for emails that come in to route them to a specific folder. And then categories allows you to quickly get to those that need to be processed. So one example is if you have a existing vendor change that comes in and it's marked as important or has urgent in the uh, subject line, then it would route to the applicable folder based on your email rules. And then also based on the email rules, it will have that category be, I don't know, the color red. So within that folder, you can immediately see that you have an urgent vendor request that um, needs to be looked at ASAP. And you don't have to use folders. Uh, Categories in themselves can organize an email box uh, as well. So the fourth tip for managing uh, the email inbox is reporting. And one great thing or another great thing about using that generic email address, however you organized it uh, by business unit, by accounting system or ERP or some other way and then assign different team members to different types of requests, and then use the email rules to route uh, the request to folders uh, or and or categorize them, uh, then you can also now report on uh, those requests that are in your email or that email inbox or inboxes. And another way that you can use categories is either within the inbox or within a folder in the inbox is you can use that to identify you know, what's pending, uh, what requires uh, follow-up, what you're waiting from or waiting for from the vendor or the internal team member. So let's say you've assigned a team member, the team member has uh, has worked that request, but they requested something from the vendor and they are waiting for it. So maybe you identify uh, that as a specific color and that color means that you are uh, waiting for a response for from the vendor or maybe you know you have a process where you have to have I don't know management review all you know banking uh, update uh, requests and so you can have a category that says, Uh, waiting for approval. So again, this is a time where you can uh, optimize uh, based on your process, uh, how you organize those uh, emails uh, that are still in the box and have not been fully processed yet. And that brings us a great segue to the last tip, which is reporting. So you can look at that email box now that it has uh, that it is organized, uh, it is uh, separated by folders, and then within the folders, categories, or maybe categories are at the inbox level, but it's organized. So you can see how many requests you have 
total in the inbox that have not be, been completed. You can also see how many of those requests are pending. And the example I just gave, maybe they're pending uh, because you're waiting for a vendor to respond, or maybe you're waiting for approval. So all of those different folders and categories that you are using to organize the inbox can also be used to give to management as a report. And that is much better than, again, having that distribution list where all the emails go to individuals. So there's not a way to report on it. And it's also, again, much better than having all of the emails or specific types of emails going to individual email boxes because you won't be able to report on those either. And you definitely do want to do reporting on that inbox because what is measured improves. And so if you have reporting, you'll see that your productivity levels will either go up or maintain versus going down if you are not reporting on the activity in that inbox. All right, so those were the four tips for organizing your email inbox to make it more efficient and also mitigate some fraud risk. So thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 189th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.